Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. This is Paul and Jason from Chaos Doctrine, and you are listening to the concerts that made us.
Phil and Jason, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yes, thanks, Brian. We appreciate we appreciate it. I'm looking forward to diving into your music now. So you released One of My Bad Days on 21st of July. What can you tell us about it? Uh, well, that was um, yeah, it was released uh, just after our previous single, uh, which was uh, Marta. Uh, that was more of a, a slower, uh, more atmospheric, uh, dark type song. Uh, so yeah, for us, we thought uh, to go back to our um, yeah, old school influences, if you can call it that, uh, and yeah, go back to very fast and uh, and uh, with a Thrashy. bit of moving Thrashy, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we decided to go back to to um, what we like doing most, which is uh, playing fast. Uh, yeah, so that was um, yeah, so it was our latest uh, release. Um, that is uh, going to be on our next uh, album, which we hope to uh, release uh, before the end of this year. Um, so we released, I think, two singles off that album, with uh, one of my bad days uh, being the second release. Right, right. And considering it's about a mass murderer relaying his crimes, I take it you don't write from a personal point of view. Yeah, this one it is. Uh, yeah, it's a fictional uh, account of a mass murderer slash serial killer who basically, um, you know, he has no remorse for anything he done. Uh, he's done. Um, yeah, he doesn't feel anything about it. So basically, I think what in our society you'll call pure uh, evil. Right, right. That's good to hear. I was getting worried I was going to have some uh, major admission on the podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe left to talk to Daniel about that one. Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think one of us. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel wrote, wrote the lyrics. Um, as Phil said, purely fictional, but that Daniel has a quite a vivid imagination. So. <laughs> 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 That'd come in handy with a uh, with lyric writing, all right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the track made it to Metal Hammer top ten best new songs. How does it feel when you get that kind of recognition? Man, we're just as surprised as you are. Um, although we say that last year we had um, with Marta, we we had a very similar situation, but it was it was with the more atmospheric prettier kind of song now we've gone a bit more balls to the wall back to the roots thrashy and we're back at the, in that position and it feels effing great <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really does <laughs> yeah i agree with that that is uh, yeah it's uh, really great to get that uh, recognition again and uh, yeah we hope that we can get some votes in for that song and, and get that to the top Right, right. And you know, when it comes to making new music, then what does the process look like for the band? Is it totally a collaborative effort? It's it's Alec, Phil and Daniel that sort of collaborate, put the music together. Me being the drummer, uh, I'm also fairly new in the band. I've been around for 18 months, almost two years. I come as like a fresh set of ears. Um, but the the core of the band is those three guys and they sort of put most of it together. I just make it more brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before, um, before Jason joined, uh, we did have a uh, quite a long period without any drummers. Uh, so it was us three, uh, working on songs and so forth, uh, uh, for quite a long time. 
but now with Jason joining, it does, as I said, it does bring a fresh ear into it, and uh, he um, does put his in input uh, into our music now as well. So that, that is great uh, going forward. Um, the usual process um, that we write songs with, uh, we would start with um, me and El, me or Alec would write a riff, and uh, and then Daniel is really, he's really good at um, at uh, building songs and uh, song structures. So when we'll get some riffs together and he'll start working on some structure and then he would uh, start thinking about what samples and industrial elements and percussion he wants to add to that song. Um, so that is the usual uh, uh, standard uh, way that we do it. Sometimes we do do it the other way around where we add, um, or Daniel will come up with uh, something electronic and then me and uh, Daniel would try and write some riffs over that. And then after um we're happy with the song and everyone is giving the inputs uh, then usually uh, Alec would sit and, and mix and master that uh, that is where his expertise comes in oh, i see i see and as you mentioned it's the second single of your upcoming album at this stage what can you tell us about the album uh we've we've got all the songs uh written uh, and recorded so we're probably about maybe 80 85 percent done on it um, so as I said, Alec, Alec is busy working on, on that, and we are hoping to get that uh, out before before the end of this year or maybe early next year, and that will be our third album. Uh, yeah, that's our third album that we're bringing out, and yeah, I'm personally I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I think we really stepped it up a notch on this one, uh, recording wise and and then uh, sound quality wise and and songwriting. So I think uh, for me, this is going to be a, a big one. Ah. And, you know, you guys are hailed by Metal Hammer as one of the 10 African metal bands challenging heavy metal and by World of Metal as one of the top 20 industrial metal bands of 2021. What does that mean to you guys? And how do you actually get a band to that level? Wow. Um <laughs> Look, um, there, there there aren't many bands nowadays with the industrial moniker, especially in the metal scene. Um, I mean, globally, when you think of industrial nowadays, you're thinking of hardcore techno and maybe old school ministry and Fear Factory, etc. Um, I mean, Fear Factory is still kind of around, um, but there aren't many bands nowadays with the industrial influence in their music and we are one of them we're and, and we're proud of it that's the art it's an absolute honor to be to get that uh, recognition um yeah that's what we've been working on for all these years um i think also what we try to do is um as much as i like my old school death metal uh, you can't keep on playing that uh like from the 90s you can't you have to um, do something new so i think um uh, that is really, uh, yeah. yeah, you have to be, you have to bring something new um, every album. And I think that is something that we do focus on. And uh, yeah, as I say, that to get that kind of recognition from international uh, uh, magazines uh, is, is really uh, quite an honor. Oh, definitely. Definitely an honor. Yeah, definitely. It is. It is. And, you know, I know the, the rock scene in South Africa is quite small, but what is the metal scene like? It's even smaller. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's even smaller. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
it's quite yeah the fan base is is really minimal it's uh yeah i think if we play how many people will we play maybe at, at a at an average gig maybe 50 or 200 um that is the uh, no the usual 50 amount. 60 people um we're, we're headlining a festival in cape town on saturday this coming saturday and that's 200 to 300 people the big festivals um yeah they do come they, we do play to some crowds um but uh, the normal gigs that we play are yeah, 50, 60 people, and then uh, every now and then there's a uh, the festival. Yeah, like, I said, like I said, 300 people, it's, it's, it's not that big in the, in the global scale. South Africa, that's huge. Right, right. And at this stage, I suppose we'll dive into your early influences to see where you came from. Now, it's a bit of a tricky one, but can you tell us your earliest musical memory? I can tell you mine. Okay. Um, There's maybe, I'll name three bands from when I was very, very young. The first band I ever heard was, well, not that I ever heard, but I ever um, had a cognitive thought of this is music that I like was Dire Straits. Ah. The, The very next band was Iron Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of a leap so yeah it completely is and that was within like two weeks you know i'm saying from when i was like seven years old (laughs) for me i think uh yeah yeah when i was little uh i always used to you know i'm talking about like seven eight years old Always, um, yeah, I would think of bands like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and and uh, all the rock bands. I've always uh, liked music with uh, guitars and bass and uh, instrumental uh, music. And then from there, it kind of just got heavier and heavier. Um, and I think the album that changed everything for me was uh, Megadeth's uh, P-Cells, but who's buying? I think that's the one that got me into the... The most, the more extreme side of the metal, and yeah, you know, just got heavier and heavier from there. And you know, what was the point then, or what happened that made you guys realize you wanted to be musicians? I think listening to those albums then, and just yeah, uh, just loving those albums because back then you uh, there was no streaming or downloading. You had to go buy a CD, and you listen to that CD a lot, and just wanted to collect more music. And I think that. Um, as you get into into that music, you just want to be, to be a part of it as well. And I think that's where you start picking up a bass or a guitar. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's it for me. Exactly. That was, I mean, the, the mid to late nineties was, I think, where where most of us in in this band started. Okay, some folks are a bit older, early to late nineties. That's <laughs> where we. <laughs> Where we decided, look, we were we're into the music. This is what we want to do. We we want to we want to be these guys. And I, I mean, I, I started originally. I was a bass player, like full. We wanted to be Slayer um, with death vocals, and realized I realized I'm not as good a bass player. My drummer sucked at the time, so I, I managed to hold a beat. Um, and that was 27 years ago. <laughs> um, and on that note, um, 
you're talking about influences. Um, Nicholas Barker, he's he's probably one of my biggest influences um, in extreme metal drumming um, ever. And the poor man is sitting on kidney dialysis at the moment. So I just want to say, if, guys, if you can get, get onto the link on the go, fund me, just help the man out, send a few pounds to the guy. Um, he's, he's, he's one of the most influential drummers on the planet, and he's going through health, a health crisis. So, yeah, please help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've noticed that quite a lot over the last couple of years. These kind of legendary musicians, something happens in their life and they have to put up a go a GoFundMe. And you'd imagine that when they get to that level that, you know, they're rich almost, you know. So the thing is, um, nowadays, because of the, the whole streaming um, society, the whole culture that we're in now, um, musicians don't make money like they used to. It's just as simple as that. It's, um, especially not in the metal scene. But, you know, the pop scene, people are still making millions, but the record companies take and the streaming platforms take all the money and now venues all over the world want um, merch, uh, percentage of the merch sales. and It's ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been turned upside down and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for, for musos that are doing it for a living. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, most of us have day jobs as well. Um, it helps us survive. But, I mean, globally, people are struggling. Yeah. The 80s and 90s were the, the perfect era to make money in, in music. I think even the metal bands made lots of money back then. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of declined over the years. And you see more bands uh, touring now, playing live. And, yeah, but it's, it doesn't seem like there is a... Uh, enough money as you said uh, you see a lot of these GoFundMe pages so yeah especially in metal there's just not I don't know there's, I don't know if there's not enough uh, people listening or <laughs> what what it is but um, yeah it is quite uh, it's quite sad as you say to, to see these pages coming up and um, yeah I don't know what the answer is to that um, but yeah the, the money is not there as it used to be in the 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. I was only thinking the other day, obviously, you know, about the, the strike with all the actors and everything in Hollywood. I imagine if that if that could be the solution for musicians, it would be great. But I'd imagine, you know, it'd be like nobody would put any pass on them. If every musician in the world just went on strike, the record labels would quite possibly turn to AI or something like you see on TikTok with all these songs. Uh, as you said, everyone has to be has to be involved for that for that to work, and and it could actually work. Um, the things need to change because I think even on like the, the online playlists and uh, uh, websites that you s submit the music to, um, they get a, like a tiny fraction of the. You know, the art the artist gets a tiny fraction. If, if you if you're signed to a label, they get a a bit more of a fraction, and the the streaming company gets the the bulk. It's yeah, it's just not like it used to be, man. Um, the artists need <laughs> need to reap their rewards for the work that they're doing. So, but anyway, that, that's not what this interview is about. Um, 
<laughs> let's let's talk metal. <laughs> yeah, we were getting a bit sidetracked there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. We apologize. <laughs> no, no, not your fault. And you know, as a concert goer, then what concerts would you say have made you guys? Okay, well, well, look, I mean, I, I've been I've been around in the South African music scene. Um, I mean, I, I'm a metalhead first and foremost, but I've I've I play in one of the one of the largest rock bands in the country at the moment, um, and I've played in a few bands. I've opened for Wishbone Ash, which inspired Iron Maiden. I've played shows with Alien and Farm when they toured. Um, so uh, when it comes to the rock side, um, going to concerts, I, I've been there. Um, Metallica, I think I've been here twice. I think I went in 2006. Iron Maiden have been here twice. I went in 95. <laughs> so when I was a teenager. So, um, But when it comes to live concerts, Iron Maiden is probably my biggest the be-all and end-all when it comes to, to live concerts because those guys – I've just, they've just always performed. They've just always put everything out there. And they've done it themselves without anyone, any external help. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it will be Iron Maiden as well. Um, yeah, as we as we grew up, we had a few bands coming in every now and then. I think we had Metallica and Korn and Sepultura. Um, and it was only since, I think, 2012 to 2015 about, uh, we had a, a Quite a big influx of uh, international bands coming in. So we saw Cataclysm and Behemoth, Ministry, Rammstein, Iron Maiden, probably about 30 or 40 bands that that, that came in. Um, yeah, that was amazing. But I think um, as we're coming back to the fan base, uh, it's, it's quite expensive to bring these bands over, and um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a lot of money and a lot of hard work. And I don't know if they if the promoters always get their their money out. Yeah, I mean, that was all Alec and Sean from Wish Doctor, and Alec did most of the graft, um, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is that, that uh, Alec. Difficult. Yeah, yeah, that is Alec. Alec. Our current guitarist, yeah, he brought uh, over a, a few bands as well. And uh, yeah, we saw firsthand, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, and uh, but yeah, that was, that was that was an amazing time. That, uh, I think Septic Flesh was one of the best uh, during that Witch Fest weekend. And as you mentioned, Cataclysm, I mean, we had Cannibal Corpse, we had uh, Behemoth, we had yes, um, Epica, we had, <laughs> that was amazing. And for South Africa, that's, no one comes here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and also um, watching those bands, just uh, just witnessing the, the professionalism that they bring, that also um, that helps us a lot as well, just to, to see that professionalism on stage and you see how things should be done. Actually, on a, on a side note, I asked, one of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life was Flesh God Apocalypse in a tiny little oh, yeah. club in Peter Maritzburg in KwaZulu Natal. You know what I'm saying? In in like, and there were a bunch of African bands before, but as soon as their sound engineer came, he did something. And it was like listening to the album at eleven. You know what I'm saying on the <laughs> on the amp. It was, it was and it was tight, and it was we were just blown away. And at the time, even then, I was like, 
these guys look like giants on stage, but I'm at least six years older than all of them. <laughs> yeah, when they came here, when they played in Johannesburg yeah. as well, I must, uh, when Sept, um, Fresh God Apocalypse played in Johannesburg as well, I must admit it was, yeah, it was very professional and yeah, it was quite something to see. Along with uh, Septic Fresh was another one. They just, yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Man. I think a lot of those guys are like all in their 20s and we were in our like, late 30s already. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. And considering then that the metal scene is so small, when big bands like that come to South Africa, what is, like, is there much of a crowd there? Yes. Uh, 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 yes, there, there, there was major, major turnout for, for those shows, especially it was like a, a global first. I mean, we, we had people camping in the middle of Joburg, central business districts where it's like the crown capital of the world and people camped in the middle in the park across the road from the venue you know what i'm saying it was in the middle of a war zone basically it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) sounds like quite the experience yeah Yeah, it it really was And, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing about this now. For any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows, what can they expect? Lay it all out for them. Um, okay. Um, brutality, melody, industrial doofs and clangs, um, loads of blast beats, triggered double bass, one of the heaviest bass bass guitar sounds you've ever heard. Um, guitar riffs for days and brutal, brutal vocals. I think I think we also bring a try to bring a visual element uh, to our um, shows as well. Uh, Sometimes, if the venue if the venue allows it, we do have some screens on uh, and some background images that we uh, created ourselves. That he um yeah play uh, behind us on stage, um yeah we have some uh, outfits and <laughs> uh, we've got a, a Daniel's mic stand which is yeah the most photographed uh, member of the band. Um, so yeah. we, do we do True story. like to bring a, a visual <laughs> element uh, to it as well? Right, right. And you know what needs to happen at a gig for you guys to walk off the stage saying that was one of the best we've ever done. I think it's always the crowd that uh, that allows that. Um, as, as you know, it's, the band feeds off the crowd, and and then the crowd feeds off the band. So I think, um, yeah, it's always if there's a a good amount of people and they're having a good time, then you just you get into that zone, and I don't know, just uh, everything just clicks into place, and then that adrenaline works. So I think for me, the the, the crowds are the most important part. They uh, feed us. Yes, I completely agree with Phil, but I think as well, um, we become a band of brothers. So as long as the four of us are having fun on stage, whether there's one oak or 20,000 oaks, we're still going to come off stage going, that was a great gig. And, you know, how do you work on your performance then? Because I'd imagine it is extremely energetic. Do you put in that amount of energy when you're rehearsing to perfect it. Yeah, that's exactly why it's not called practice anymore. It's called rehearsal. 
(laughs) (laughs) Because we do, we practice, we practice at home and we rehearse in the studio. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. You have to, um, you have to practice the way that you are going to play on stage. Uh, uh, So we do actually, uh, uh, yeah, not as not as much intensity, but uh, we definitely do. uh, um, uh, Yeah. Take it quite seriously during practices. Yeah, uh, exactly. There is there is a bit of choreography involved, although we we're not like pop dancers or anything. <laughs> but there's 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 choreography and there's there's um, uniformity and there's but we still need to we need to need to be tight. We need to still have fun, but there is a a, a bit of um, like I said uniformity. In, in the stage show, as such, professionalism is, is another word. And also, uh, we do we do need to focus on our practices because we do play um, uh, uh, to click on stage uh, because we do have a lot of samples and and percussion and uh, loops and so forth. Um, so that is very important. Uh, the, and I think Jason is a really important part of that as well to to stay on click because uh, some. Some parts of the song, there is a, a loop that comes in, and you have to be on that click exactly, or else it's not uh, it's not going to sound right. So um, that is why the, the practicing um, is really important. It, it, exactly. In, in in a song, a certain thing happens at two minutes and forty seconds, and then another bit happens at four minutes and twenty six seconds, and we all need to be on time at that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm going to make sure that happens. and you know out of all the gigs that you guys have played is there an experience you revisit in your mind as maybe the the most perfect gig i wouldn't say the most perfect gig but i think uh the most of us would uh, would agree that uh when we toured bloemfontein uh that was quite a special gig for us uh just um the people they also yeah, it's uh, it's on the um, it's in another province. It's not as big as the the big city centres like uh, Johannesburg and Cape Town, so they don't get a lot of uh, even South African metal bands going there. So I think that one stands out for us a lot. The crowd was just so insane, and uh, yeah, they really uh, looked <laughs> looked forward to to us uh, going there. And yeah, they, they don't get a lot of metal down there, so that was really something for us. And I, with this uh, next uh, tour to Cape Town this weekend. Uh, we're hoping to to get the same kind of feeling on that. Uh, to, to be honest, I think we, we might surpass that because we're yeah we're kind of asked very violently to do this one. So <laughs> and we have, we, we have come a long way since then. So I think uh, yeah, yeah we have come a long <laughs> long way since then. So I think the crowds are going to be pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah, <laughs> good to hear. Totally good. agree. <laughs> And you know, to flip it around then, not to get too negative, but is there an experience, a gig experience you've had that is maybe the worst and how did you deal with it? The one show at the the milk farm where there was just feedback for days. (laughs) And no one knew why, no one knew how, but there was just feedback. And yeah, that was probably one of the worst. I think before that, before Jason joined, we did play one gig where, yeah, we got uh, uh, 
Uh, we packed the truck with all the equipment. We arrived there. Uh, we packed all the equipment into the uh, onto the stage, and we went out. The the car was stolen. So that was, <laughs> I think, one of our the car was uh, stolen. <laughs> I didn't even. Yeah. I didn't tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, it was Daniel's truck. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we got all the equipment out because else all that was would have been lost. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we even played that gig. Uh, sometimes it happens now and then uh, where there's uh, sound issues. So, yeah, that is something to work with. But, um, yeah, I was talking about sound issues, not crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, this, yeah. Is, this is South Africa. So, South Africa, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, apart from sound issues and crimes, what kind of antics do you guys get up to while you're on tour? Uh, we're getting old now. We're, we're very calm. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's some. Uh, I think most uh, just maybe some drinking involved and some partying. I think yeah, nothing too too hectic. As Jason said, we're we're getting a bit old now. Man, we're we're all in our like mid to late forties. Right. You need to keep the energy for the stage, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, when it comes to showtime, then what's your pre-show and post-show ritual? How do you psych yourself up, and then afterwards, how do you wind down? Well, uh, from our side, for instance, um, I've just I'm just getting over a major flu. It's been like a week and a half of uh, just ho- being feeling horrible. I've now got to go play a show at sea level. Um, so I've got a lot of warming up to do before the show. So for half half the day, I'm going to be sitting with a double bass pedal against a pad or a couch or whatever I can get my hands on and just working the muscles and doing the breathing exercises so that I can perform properly. Um, so so it's a, the thing is, it becomes, especially when we get to, our age, <laughs> you, you you kind of it becomes a workout, and you to maintain that you've got to keep fit and keep healthy. Back in my twenties, when I used to do the stuff, it was a lot easier. Uh, um, th- there's a lot of work involved, um, but mentally as well, you've got to focus. Um, otherwise, we we you can't do this. Simple as that. I like to go, um, you know, just watch the, the bands playing before us, uh, just going to the crowd and kind of get a vibe for what's happening there. And yeah, you know, I like to watch the other bands. And afterwards, I think, yeah, you know, after we, after we've packed up everything, <laughs> which is uh, quite a job, uh, yeah, you know, we think we mostly, uh, just sit down and have a, a whiskey or a bourbon and, uh, for a few hours. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, that's, I think that's the way we wind down. Um, but for me, I like to, uh, I like to stand in front of a stage and watch the other other bands before us and, and just get into that vibe. Okay, okay. And, you know, when it comes to your career, how do you measure success? Well, look, in the country we live in, um, this is a semi-professional hobby for us. We all have jobs. Um, so we we do the 95, we, we, we do the grindstone to pay the bills and everything and, and other guys play golf we play industrial thrash slash death metal 
<laughs> Sounds a bit extreme when you put it like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think for us, <laughs> I think for us um, guys, we mentioned earlier the, the recognition in the, the like metal hammer and uh, world of metal and then things like that, uh, especially the um, you know, the overseas international um, sites. I think that is where we want to uh, measure our success. Apart from playing a, a really good gig, I think we try to get some international exposure. I like it. I like it. And, you know, in 30 years time, you guys are up on stage with the Zimmer frames. What needs to have happened with your career for you to feel fulfilled and happy? Oh, that's a good uh, one. I might not, yeah, I might not be playing 16th notes on the, <laughs> the kick drum anymore, but I'll most certainly still be playing blues. We'll be approaching 80 by then, so I think we'll be more of a rock band. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, um, it's also, also, we're not Motley Crue, so we'll, we'll probably still be alive by then. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, um, yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I think, yeah, as I mentioned before, um, international exposure, um, I think recognition, that's that's the, the, the main thing. Uh, just uh, just getting bigger and bigger. And a lot, a lot of albums. I think we, we're really good in our studio recordings. So I think um, some good albums, maybe about eight or ten albums by then, that, that will be great. Yeah, man. I'm, like Paul was saying, yeah, a bit of recognition is nice. But at the end of the day, we do it because we love it. It's, it's not We're not doing it for... To become famous rock stars, of um, to be honest, this band keeps me humble. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, he's right. He says, and it's uh, every week when you gig, that's that that outlet uh, that the band does bring to you after a hard uh, week of uh, work. So that is that is part exactly. of it, and, and the brother, it's, it's, it's a release, man. Yeah, and the the brotherhood in the band, it's uh, yeah, these guys are our friends and. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's, there's that, that as well, apart from the recognition. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> and before we dive into the last couple of questions, so you've told us about the, the upcoming gig at the weekend, you've told us about the album. Is there anything else for the rest of the year you'd like to share? I think we just have that um, uh, big open, open air uh, rock festival, uh, Jason, in, in September. And then yeah, we'll yeah, which... We'll probably look at playing a few smaller gigs after that. Um, no, no, yeah, I, I think it's there's a there's, there's that, that well, you say a rock festival, it's rock slash metal fest. There's like sixty bands. Um, yeah, I think we're doing that, and then I think around November we've got another international band coming through, which we're probably playing with with a, with a few other um, bands, uh, a few other names in South Africa other bands like last year we played who was it Kraftpal from Switzerland um, oh that's right yeah yeah I mean they, they were they were just awesome it's like um, anti-fascist black metal um, oaks of big ass dreadlocks and a female <laughs> bass player and they were just brutal as hell <laughs> but yeah. but they are oh, oh, so we're looking at playing some gigs uh, yeah, after the the tour and the rock festival. Um, but for the most, for the for the uh, majority of the 
we'll be um, recording the album or not recording, just uh, putting the final touches on that album uh, to hopefully get that out as, as soon as possible. And then we're starting to write the next one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then next year we'll probably <laughs> look at changing our set list, our live set list, and to include uh, most of the songs on this album. And uh, and now a new one good. as yeah. well, we guess. But, yeah. Um, yeah, again, we're, we're not Iron Maiden. We, we, we don't tour the world and play 28 shows in a week. We play like six a year. So. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, sounds like there's still plenty to look forward to for the rest of the year anyway. No, no, of course. I mean, you, you, you remember Mayhem back in the early 90s. They played like one show in 10 years. <laughs> we play more. You know? <laughs> Oh man. Right, we'll uh, we'll dive into the last couple. These are a few random odd questions, but I'm intrigued to see your answers. If you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Good question. Um I would like to see uh Chuck Schuldiner from Death. Uh that will be one uh, I'd like to see the that. Um uh Black Sabbath, uh, and I think the but uh, yeah, Slayer. I've never seen Slayer, so I think that's the band that I that I most miss out uh, never seeing them live. And that would be pretty epic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty bummed that I never got to see them. Yeah. Um, probably John Bonham doing a drum solo with his hands. Very nice. It's mm. a good <laughs> one. It's a good one. <laughs> this next one, now it's a bit a bit strange, but fun. If you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Mozart, because he wouldn't hear a word I say. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wish I was dead. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right. <laughs> um, God, that's such good, good questions. Um, trying to think. I think Peter Doctrine from uh, Hypocrisy. He looks such a like such a cool guy. So I think that that'll be uh, quite cool to to do. Yeah, yeah. Two interesting choices there. So, and the final one. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Yeah, that's a sure. That's a, such a tricky question. Um, um, for me, Iron Maiden. Yeah, I'd be Iron Maiden, the evil that men do, living on a razor's edge. Good choice. I'll probably go with Slayer. Uh, you yeah. two thirteen full. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, maybe God hates us all. Yes, so nihilistic. It <laughs> <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> yeah, hairy muff. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's been an absolute blast now. I've really enjoyed this one. Thanks a million. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time and your effort. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. Thanks a lot. Really cool. Thank you.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.